From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. There is no place that does not see you. These are the words of the poet Rainer Maria Rilke as translated from German by Stephen Mitchell. They appear at the end of his poem, The Archaic Torso of Apollo, just before what is perhaps Rilke's most famous line, you must change your life. Given how many artists there are in this community and how central the flourishing of the arts is to the mission of Holy Family, I wouldn't be surprised if many of you have had sculptures or paintings or photographs, books or songs or architectural spaces speak to you in this way, to address you, to command you. Rilke's poem begins by marveling at the way that even though this sculpture no longer bears the head which was once part of it, there is a sense of watchfulness, of being observed. It reminds me of language I have heard Jacob and our artist-in-residence, Lenicia Rouse-Tinsley, use that I love, to have a work of art encounter you. And we usually think of ourselves as the actors, the agents who have decided to read a particular book, listen to a certain album, visit an exhibition. But there is also a sense of vocation. Works of art call to us, and it can sometimes feel like God is speaking to us through a novel or TV show or mural. Just as Rilke's words continue to stir us, so a piece of stone, chiseled in a certain way several thousand years ago, exercised its gaze upon him. Now, there is no place that does not see you hits a little different in our 21st century heavily surveilled lives than it likely did for Rilke's original readers in the 1900s. And while it might convey a creepy lack of privacy, it also harkens back to ancient theological beliefs that God's presence is pervasive. As the poet of Psalm 139 expressed it, where could I go to escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. And if I went down to the grave, you would be there too. There are surely times when we would like to avoid the gaze, the recognition of God. 
moments when we have said something unkind or have failed to speak up in a matter of injustice, times when we have not been gentle or have been too passive. We would rather God not pay too much attention to the things we pay too much attention to, and we hope that God forgives us for the people and situations that we ignore when we know in our hearts they are deserving, perhaps even requiring our attention. The way that we express this in our confession of sin is, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And we worry with the knowledge that God sees all this, that there is no place that does not see us, not the clubs or bars or gyms, the woods or beaches or parks, the boardrooms and bedrooms. God sees us, and like Adam and Eve, we are often tempted to hide from God, futile as that effort might be. Because we know that just as the looking that suffuses the archaic torso of Apollo demands repentance from Rilke, so Jesus Christ will say to us when he sees us, change your hearts and lives. This is often translated, uh, this verse, as repent. Jesus calls us to repent or to change our hearts and lives. And the word repent has gotten warped by a sense of sin and condemnation. We forget that what Jesus says after repent or change your hearts and lives is, here comes the kingdom of heaven. Much of American Christianity has substituted hell for heaven, demanding your good behavior lest you be punished eternally by God. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with good behavior or that Jesus doesn't want us to try to be good, but I find the notion that we should be kind to avoid going to hell and that God would want us to go to hell to be, pardon my language, hogwash. Perhaps hearing change your hearts and lives is just as difficult as hearing the word repent. Maybe even more so because we can get a little sneaky with a word like repent. Well, what does that really mean? We know what change your hearts and lives means. And it's hard. As someone who maybe gets to the gym once a week, who keeps meaning to give more, who regularly has a little too much coffee and maybe half a glass too much of wine, who loses patience with my child, my partner, my friends, myself. I know, I know, Jesus. I'll change my heart and my life starting tomorrow. Reminded of one of my favorite bumper stickers. Procrastinators will rule the world someday. The good news is that whether I change my heart and life or not, whether you change your heart and life, here comes the kingdom of heaven. I can keep being petty and judgmental, complicit in state violence and impatient and unforgiving, and here comes the kingdom of heaven. Whether you or I are ready, Jesus Christ is always looking at us with love 
and mercy. Jesus Christ is always saying, hey, the party is about to start. We're going to have some great food, great wine, great company. Come on over when you're ready. We can choose not to go to the party. We can decide we don't have the right thing to wear, or somebody's going to be there we don't want to talk to, or we're just not in a partying mood. But that's our decision. It's not God looking over the guest list and saying, yeah, you need to be better. I'm going to send you somewhere else. Jesus is always ready with an invitation. He sees Peter and Andrew and says, hey, you guys might be satisfied with your lives as they are, but what if I told you there was more? But wait, there's more. He sees John and James and calls to them. Now, he might have caught them on a bad day, the stock market down, the cost of nets up. Maybe they were ready for change already. Nevertheless, the crucial word in their response to Jesus' invitation is immediately. In writing classes, we are taught to avoid adverbs, that they're usually just filler words, useless decoration. But in this sentence, it's the most powerful word. Immediately, they change their hearts and lives. Immediately, they follow Jesus. Again, the good news of the kingdom of heaven is that it's coming for us, whether we assent to follow Jesus immediately or take some time to consider other options. You're familiar with the parable of the workers in the vineyard. The people who follow Jesus at nine in the morning are invited to the party, and the people who wait until 4.59 to follow Jesus are invited to the party. This might be frustrating for you if you showed up at nine. I know there have been times when I have worked assiduously on something for a long time, how demoralizing it can be when someone else gets credit for the thing they've only just started. Likewise, if you show up at 4.59, you might have the sense of imposter syndrome. But in the kingdom of heaven, there is no keeping score. There's no competition, no ranking. It's just the joy of being with God, of seeing and being seen. Whatever is happening in your life, whether your job is going wonderful or you want to quit tomorrow, whether your relationship is blissful or stressful, whether you are in excellent health or have been in and out of doctor's offices and hospitals, Jesus sees you and wants to be with you. There is no place that does not see you. There is nowhere you can go that God's love and grace will not already be there. The people who lived in the dark have seen a great light, and a light has come upon those who lived in the region and in shadow of death. John's Gospel tells us what came into being through Jesus Christ was life, and the life was the light for all people. Not just the people who showed up at nine, not just the people who got A's on their Hebrew and Greek exams, 
not just the people who know all the words to come thou fount, or have throughout their lives given away exactly 10% of their earnings, all people. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. Find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.